Good evening and welcome to a brand new edition of Fundamentals, an OKC UK podcast. I am your host, Thomas Snowden, the founder of OKC UK. And joining me this week, as always, is Mr. Reliable, Mr. Janelle Taylor. How are you this week, Janelle? Uh, not doing too badly, mate, to be honest. Just come back from New York, saw my first ever NBA game. That was pretty amazing. Uh, come home and see the thunder of, you know, been winning games while I've been away. It's a nice feeling to have and looks like we're looking upwards, I would say. So what you're telling me is you need to go back to America for Thunder to win games? This might be the case, to be honest. <laughs> Potentially. Hey, I was here after the All-Star break. We lost three games in a row. I went on holiday. They started winning. So, you know, if I have to take the hit for the team, I'll take the hit for the team. Nah, it's all good. You got much... Well, it's been like two months since we recorded last at the minute. Uh Anything going on in your life at the minute, Janelle? Obviously, apart from the New York trip, how's welcome to Loud City going? How's all of that sort of stuff? Personal life, anything, any good news? So, welcome to Loud City. We're currently, so we had a bit of news that came out about a month ago, or two months ago now, to say that, well, you know, the site's been defunded. Uh, It's been a bit hectic, but we are looking at sort of moving the site forward and moving it onto a different platform. Um, Yeah, that's been pretty good. And yeah, started a new job. So, you know. It's all been a bit, all been changed for me in the last couple of months. Hey man, change is good. Don't knock it. It's always good to change things up. And joining myself and Janelle, we have the person who want, also wanted to be called Mr. Reliable on the last pod, but I do think that the Scottish supernova just sounds so much better. Is Matt, aka Shy Media. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Uh, supernova is much of an overstatement for me, but um, I'm good. Um, I'm a uni student. I'm busy with that. I'm busy with my basketball commitments. Um, just trying to power through to April, get through exams. And then, like, I'm like you nine to five folk. Enjoy my summer. It's going to be great. I, I wish I could be a nine to five folk, man. I'm more like 12 till 11 folk at the minute. So short staffed and work's just crazy busy. But, Matt, any, any, any other positive stuff outside of uni? Any more sessions on the bottles of wine that we should know about? I don't know what he's trying to spin off here, but uh, <laughs> I've been good. Um, taking up some new roles uh, just with them in my club recently, more responsibility. Um, looking forward to that, looking forward to next year and just looking forward to next season uh, of basketball. Everything's coming to a close, but moving forward, just trying to build on that. And summer can't come soon enough. I know I'm the youngster, but like I'm like, school's out for summer. Hey, mate, enjoy it while you're young, man. I'd, I wish I could go back to those times of being, well, not in uni, because um, I didn't go to uni, but school and college, they were, they were the easy days. So all, all those half terms, never had to book them off, never had to ask to have some time off. You just, you just got them, and it, it was a simpler life back then, much, much simpler. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, obviously, it's been two months since we've recorded. There's been a lot of bumps in the road not necessarily for us guys but there's been a lot of I oh, will record here um and then I've I've been quite poorly recently so there's been a lot of cancellations by me which is why we haven't recorded um and then obviously I'm a little over a month away from a baby being born my first so we've had a lot of attention going into that a lot of uh free time going into sorting stuff for that like I've literally done so much in that bedroom today and I'm absolutely knackered but 
like life's good. It's it's nice to have a catch up. It's nice to talk to you guys again. It's, it's certainly been a while, and I'm looking forward to hearing some takes and opinions from you guys. So we'll we'll jump straight in. Um, we got so obviously with it being two months, a lot's happened in two months. So we got to start off talking about the best thing to come out of the two months, and that's SGA finally being an all star. Um, obviously, myself and Janelle have been together a couple of years now. Um, so we've had to witness how he gets snubbed from an all-star game and then literally tears up the rest of the season as if he takes a snub personally. Um, Janelle, SGA being an all-star, it was written in the stars. It was always going to come. And I'm glad it's finally come. But how 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 was it watching the game for you? It was, as you all probably know, I have quite mixed feelings about the all-star game. Um this year was kind of the same. I enjoyed watching it for when Shea was on the court and to sort of see him like passing the ball, bringing others into play. And honestly, just the moment itself, like we've waited years for this. And like he's come close twice before. One, you know, one year he got snuffed for Mike Conley. The other year people decided that he was injured too much and, you know, he didn't really deserve it. And so to see him finally get there, it's about bloody time, but it was really good to see it. As the game itself, I didn't really enjoy it. I kind of thought this year was just sort of, you know, it's just sort of trying to chuck threes from deep. And it was like four players who were just sort of pursuing that. And I kind of lost my my sort of interest like about halfway through. I watched it to the end just to sort of see if Shea would get put back into the game. But he played like nine minutes in total and it just didn't really seem like that fair. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. The All-Star Games, the last couple of years, has really, really grinded my gears. Like To me, this should be a showcase of the best players against the best players, which is what it should, what technically should be. Um, and we're just not getting it. They're just letting players go past for the dunks and letting them make their frees and just no effort on defence. So I want to see these guys up against each other because we, we don't get it unless you've got these superstar teams that might have two All-Stars. Um, but yeah, I do think it's pants. I I turned it off at halftime, just had enough of it. It's like, yeah, I'll always be happy for SGA, but I I just can't watch that brand of basketball. It's just not fun to me to watch. Um, how about you, Matt? Obviously, a lot a lot of positive stuff came from it for the franchise, for SGA himself. Um, so talk to me about your thoughts about that, and also I'll I'll throw in there due to their link-up play during the game. Should the OKC fan base be excited at a SGA and Siakam on the court? You're crazy. Um, I'm just so happy. Like This is where it was a while ago, but it's such a positive thing for the team. It's a good way to represent OKC. Obviously, it's a small market. Um, also, have Jade up in that kind of all-star like experience with the Rising Stars, Josh Giddy. Just great exposure for the team. Uh, the guys know on Zoom that I'm representing my All-Star Shea jersey in blue uh, before anyone tells me that's wrong. Yellow ones are nasty. Do not buy that thing. Um, I am wearing a Utah Jazz jersey like that. <clears throat> I still remember those Joe, Joe Ingles, Paul George barrels. But anyway, no, just a great experience for uh, the team and good way to show represent. He should have been an All-Star a while ago. He was always an All-Star caliber. This year's been a superstar, and he just gets his all-star vote. To be, he should have still been a starter for me, to be honest. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. You can say well, 
I wouldn't say 100%. You could certainly make, make a case for him being a starter, and I don't think that case should have been debunked as quickly as it was. But so be it. There's a lot about the All-Star weekend that I think needs to be changed in terms of like the fan votes. I think there's a lot of stuff on there that, or a lot of players on there that shouldn't be able to be voted for. I think that rather than a certain, well, every player in the league you're allowed to vote for, like the NBA should turn around and be like, right, these are our guys. And nine times out of 10, they're probably going to be right that these guys are the top performers in the league. And like, these are the guys that you're allowed to vote for. So then there's players like Alex Caruso shouldn't be voted for. Or who else has there been the last couple of years? Bowl, Clay Bowl. Thompson, um, Salsa Petrullio, um, Andrew Wiggins, you could probably say. Uh, Wiggins had a very good year last year, but then like he started because BTS voted for him in droves. And is that really a reason to start? Because some South Korean pop group thinks you're all the shit? Uh, I don't, it's not for me. I hey, kind we, of we'd, think... We've done that for SGA as well. We really did that for SGA because we felt like we <laughs> had to. In, you know, in a world... I Personally, I think the fans can go fuck themselves, to be honest, in terms of like, you you shouldn't have a vote in this, partly because you watch your one team and, you know, yeah, you have local media who do the same, but at least they have a better understanding of actual the league matters as a whole. And so, you know, you look at people like Zach Lowe or you even look at someone like Bill Simmons, who viscerally hates the Thunder and has done for best part for 15 odd years. Um, you hear and they say, oh, I think Shea should be a starter. And yet he gets brought off the bench. Behind Jar, who I think he's been better than Jar this season by quite some margin. And also behind Steph. But Steph, right, fair enough, he's kind of grandfathered and he's the guy at the moment. And I just hate how the voting works. Every single year you look at it and you look at someone like De'Aaron Fox, who's had a great year. He did, in terms of, he would have only got, he only got in because he was an injury replacement. He's, in a normal year, his actual hard work and the season he's been having wouldn't have been rewarded. That's just due to fan voting. It's not very good. And I don't think it should really be part of all-star criteria. Some people don't care about it, but I do because I think it's like short shows in a season who were like the top guys. And I think that shit matters. I mean, that's fair, man. But I think it's clear to see that Janal has had enough. He's laying his point out there. He's had enough. No, I, I, I agree with a lot of the aspects. I wouldn't necessarily say F for fans, but um, there's a lot of changes that are needed in terms of the All-Star break. But it's, it's got to be more... The players have got to show more. That they're, they're just... It's like they don't care that they're there. Yeah, great. We'll we'll have an exhibition match, which it is. It's an exhibition match, but try at least try and win it and play some hard defense and stuff like that. Make it interesting for us guys who are staying up to what did the game start at like half two by the time this... the draft and everything was done. It's it's crazy. They've 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 got to do more, and I don't I don't think it's just good showing whatsoever. But um, I'd also say this that having the draft right immediately before the game means that the coach has no time to actually run any semblance of practice whatsoever to actually come up with an idea of like a defensive scheme of how you want to play on offense. Like the reason why 2020 was so good was because Nick Nurse got everybody in the room, said, Right, we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And so you actually had a team that played like a team. And like when you're just drafting players before game even starts how's Mike Malone sorry Michael Malone and Joe Mazzula even going to be able to like come up with any semblance of like a scheme is the NBA put no care into it 
And so I don't think we can really put it on the players. I don't think so. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, Kobe said it should be the best pickup game in the world. And that's what it should be. Like, it's very simple, but it's it's very poetic. And it just should be what it is. Yeah. Kobe spoke a lot of sense. And to be fair, I think that's a good point to leave on that topic with Kobe saying. Um, so so we'll, move, we'll move on and we'll start about probably uh, start talking about who I would imagine is everyone's favourite Thunder player at the minute, and that's uh, J Dub dubbing every single game at the minute. Matt, we'll start off with you. I'm not even going to start talking about J Dub myself. We'll just start letting you talk about him. What what's been so impressive and why we've all been in love with this kid? Because I can assure you, every single Thunder fan is he's a hooper. And he's what's great is he's he's kind of one of us. Like he'll interact with you. Like he's just in my mentions randomly the other day. Just like he's he's a hooper. He's a young kid. He's enjoying his experience. If you're watching the content he puts out, he's just enjoying himself. This is a guy that's 22 years old, acting like there's no pressure being an NBA rookie. I think I looked up his averaging like 20 points over the last like eight or nine games. Like. You can say there's experience, but this guy, this is his first NBA season. People don't have any understanding of how hard it is to do that in your first NBA season. NBA, there's IQ, the athleticism is a whole completely different level from college. He didn't even play in a big school. Santa Clara is one of the smallest kind of schools that's recruited. Only the last guy that got um, recruited from Santa Clara was Steve Nash. And obviously Steve Nash is a great, but yeah, like, J-Dub's just been killing. Like, he's, a, he's such a smart, fundamental basketball player. Um, I was so happy when we took him at 12. I was like, let's not look at AJ Griffin. I know, Tom, you're big on him and someone else. But, like, he was a surprise. He was a good pick. And he's number two in the NBA's rookie power ranking. So, yeah, that's our 12th pick this year. Yeah, I think it's crazy that he's number two in our power rankings. Does, does he have a case for number one, Matt? Alan's too good. He's too yeah. good. I, I, I agree. Uh, Janelle, J-Dub, what's your thoughts? It's just kind of blown my mind, to be honest. I have to say, like, particularly with rookies, because you look at every single rookie, well, not every single rookie, but most rookies, you know, since the NBA, 82 games, around that sort of 52, 53 game mark, the efficiency goes, their legs are gone, they're tired. J-Dog got to that point in January, February time, and he's just kicked on, and he's just continued to get better and better and better. For sort of 15-odd games, we've seen him put in performances that are, may not be sort of all-star level, but is kind of on that fringe, I would say. And he's playing with such a composure, and his defense has been incredible. And, like, I never really expected this, to be honest. I thought that we got this guy from... Santa Clara, he's gone up the boards quite well in the draft and, you know, he had a good combine, but I never thought that he would be this calibre of a player. And it kind of changes your mind about things because you think, well, we've got this guy now and you still got Chet to come back. And I was kind of thinking about it earlier. In terms of if we did a redraft of 2022 as it currently stands, I think J-Dub has to go within the top five. I think for me, it'd be Paolo, Chet, J-Dub, probably Ivy. And probably Keegan. That would probably be my five there or thereabouts. Uh, you can pick your order. I don't really mind about that. 
but it just shows that his progression throughout the year has just been insane. Yeah, I think Matherin deserves a shout or not cares there's a top five pick, but um, I've got questions for you guys and it's actually from my guy Skit who brought it up with our um, Tommy who I've been listening to this at the time. Is Jalen Williams having the best rookie season of an OKC Thunder player in its franchise? Considering Seattle Supersonics, Kevin Durant is off the books. Uh, so here's your kind of candidates. Russell Westbrook, first team all-rookie selection. Josh Giddy, second team all-rookie selection. You could argue James Harden, he was coming off the bench. So if when you start thinking about that, you've got to think Giddy would have been a first-team selection if it wasn't for the injury that he had towards the end of last season. Giddy was impressive. Harden, I'd eliminate. I'd say Jalen's having a better season than Harden. I don't know. I think, I th- I think it's one of them. You could easily make a case, but then when you think about Jalen Williams, he's only started to get this attention since the All-Star break, I would say. Whereas Giddy, we were kind of loathing over to uh, yeah, loafing over towards the start of the season. And then Russ, I wasn't exactly a fan when Russ was a rookie. So, and I can't say I've seen a, a lot of tape on Russ, so I can't say he's had a better season than Russ, but you could certainly make a case for him having the best rookie season. No? I'm kind of inclined to go with J-Dub as having the best rookie season. That, let me preface this, that I can remember um, you know, I'll sort of say that like that. I wasn't here where you see Russ in his sort of rookie years and he's throwing down dunks left, right, and center, or Harden with his sort of pick and roll game with Nick Collison and you know the stuff that they've established off the bench. I think with Jalen, the thing that surprised me is his composure from day one. Like he's coming and he's looked like an NBA player, and it sounds like a really basic thing to say, but he makes the right rotation on defense he makes good decisions he takes pretty good shots and like he's physically athletically he looks comfortable at this level and so like you look at that at the start of the season he was a really good bench contributor he's now moving the starting lineup and things have really got better for him and sort of over a 15 20 game period we're seeing him average what 17 5 and 4 with like 1.5 steals a game shooting like 52 percent from the field as a whole and 35 percent from downtown like for a rookie, that's incredibly solid. So I think I'd have to go with J Dog. That's fair. One thing you can say about this season for him is it's just how well rounded it is. Like, I don't know if you've seen that he's basically almost got the most uh, dunks by a guard in franchise history, and that's over Russ. And we knew how monstrous Russ was. Um, great all round. I think he's like top five or top 10 in like most rookie categories, including like. Rebounds, points, assists, steals, just an all-round um, point. But I think the thing with Josh Giddy is last year, he's so young, man. Like, he's like 19 and 100 days old. J-Dub is much older. Uh, I think Jalen Williams is even older than Anthony Edwards, I saw uh, on Instagram today. Like, anyway, a rookie season is a rookie season, but an incredible one of that for number eight. No, it's a, it's a good question, that. And it's, it's one I, I was listening to. Uh, shout out OK3 uh, OK Spaces on Twitter. They do a lot of good stuff uh, on there. Uh, Matt does that with 
I'm not 100% on my names. I think it's uh, Alex, Professor, Professor Alex and OKC Skittles, I believe it is. Yeah, that, that's the guys, yeah. I don't know their proper names. So I can't shout them out properly. But no, they, they do a lot of good spaces. So they kind of do similar to us, just not on the podcast in form. They just do it through the Twitter spaces. It's, it's, good. it's a good listen, especially someone to have on in the background. Um, but for myself, J-Dub, I think I'll back up what you guys were just saying. I think he's in- incredibly versatile, offers a lot on the offensive end. And I think he's, he's very slowly becoming fit, like underrated defensively. I don't think he's quite gets enough love on the defensive end. Obviously, his steals numbers speak for himself, but we are incredibly strong defensively, especially since the All-Star break. I think our defence has been a lot better than it has been the rest of the season. But J-Dub defensively, I think he's, he's seemingly fairly similar to Shea on the offensive end, how he is very, very comfortable in attacking the rim, but he is more than capable of taking a three-point shot as well. But we'll always look to attack the rim. Um, and then with, I think it was Matt who brought, brought it up, I was extremely keen on AJ Griffin before the, before the draft. And now it's like, I still love AJ Griffin. I still think he's a very good basketball player, but my God, I'm glad we got J-Dub because he's he's going to be mustard, as what we say here in the UK. He's going to be a mustard player. Um, what are you guys saying? England? No, that's some good stuff. I've not J-Dub, heard that one. one. Gonna... That was a Manchester thing, that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so that's either, that's either a Mank thing. Being that's Manchester Mank, or That is Mank. But... <laughs> you never heard of that? No, never. That's mustard. No. We I've heard that's like like but I don't know why it makes sense because obviously mustard is something you put in a sandwich. So it's like it's something you spread. Pucker's probably Wigan. If Harry was here, he'd realize that. <laughs> nah, Pucker is more Leicester because that's, you know, you've got Pucker pies in their main Leicester. So it's, you know, that's Pucker. I can't believe that. I swear. It's either that or I'm just showing my age here. See, if you're at a pub and, like, you just start talking about dialects and what people say, you can have a conversation for four hours. Like, yeah, it's not. So let's... We are back. Let's not have the podcast before the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, like we just did with BBL. Still mustard, all right. Sure. Right, so moving on from this mustard of a podcast. Um. So something that we've seen in a fair amount of since the All-Star break has been the, the rotation changing a lot. Um, obviously, players getting more minutes, players getting less minutes. And two of the players who have obviously been struggling for playing time are JRE and Trey Mann. Simple question, open floor, whoever wants to jump in first. Should we, should we be worried for these guys? Are these guys the next Baisley, the next sort of people who are going to be looking to be traded or be waived come the off-season? Should we be worried over these guys? I'm not worried about JRE. I think that Jeremiah is really is actually quite a good player. And like we've seen his value as a five who can also defend fours, but also what he brings is like a leader on the defensive end of the floor. And he is also a pretty good floor spacer. I do think he may have been made a little bit obsolete with how Jalen Williams is playing now and with Jalen's ability to knock down the long ball. Like, I think Jalen's shooting 39, 38% from three at the moment. So there is that concern. Trey is more worrying to me because I think his primary value is a scorer. And 
yeah, you can put the ball in the hoop, but he's got to do it efficiently. And he doesn't seem like he's got the confidence within himself at the moment. I, it's really hard for a scorer to be good on a team. And, you know, if you're not necessarily putting the ball in the hoop regularly or efficiently. And I think that's the problem. It's like a vicious cycle almost. It's like he gets in his own head, then he can't play how he wants to play. And then by not playing how he wants to play, he never really rectifies that issue. And the Thunder have tried to remedy it by sending him down to the G League to basically sort of feast on the competition down there. And it's a good short-term fix, but in the long term, he's got to play on the main roster. Like This is his third year in the league, or will be his third year in the league next year, I think. It's his second year right now, third year will be next year. So he's got to you know, start getting it sorted out, start showing some steps of progression. I still think he's got a future. I just don't know whether it's on the Thunder. That's my only thing now, is that we know he can fill it up. We know that what he can do, but whether he actually will get the touches enough to actually realise his potential in their case is a difficult question to answer. Yeah, I, I, I make the same point with Trey. I can only see Trey's role on this team being a being a scorer. I don't necessarily think he's a good ball handler and he's not exactly jumps out to me with his defensive work. So it kind of does make me worry and then I'm in exactly the same stead as JRE. I'm not exactly worried about him, especially when we're extremely light on bigs at this time. Like It seems like this roster is just full of uh, guards and a couple of bigs. But um, Matt, any worries on your end? Just as you're kind of going through, I was thinking like the typical Thunder draft guy, tall, talented, lengthy, smart decision maker, um, can get out, run, and I'm just thinking Trey Mann is was not a Thunder guy that we drafted. I, I just with the identity we've built like over a good stretch this year, it's been a lot of like get deflections, work hard on defense, get out, run, fast break, move the ball, and I just don't see where Trey Mann fits into that offensively. He's a very talented self creator in the mid range three point, uh, can explode, not necessarily very efficient. But I'm not sure where his role is down the line. I can see JRE being a very valuable 10th man. Uh, I'm a big JRE guy. I like his leadership. I like his attitude. He's, he's a Villanova guy, right? So he's, yeah. he's gone through like all that kind of process. Like I love Villanova guys. Hashtag Cam fam, Cam Whitmore. See you in the next draft. Um, like these guys, like the talented basketball player, look at Mikael Bridges. I just, I, I love Villanova prospects. But Jerry, yeah, he, he's got a place to stay, in my opinion. Yeah, so, so I'll lead on with that, with Trey Mann. Is Trey Mann essentially, because obviously he's still going to be on a rookie contract, so he's still going to be under contract for next year. Um, is this guy going to be a piece? Like, you'd imagine next season is going to be the year where we start going for it. We're going to have Chet back, SGA hopefully back fully fit, playing back-to-backs as he's currently injured. Um, Giddy, the rest of the season, J-Dub going into a sophomore. Uh, you'd imagine we're going to have some players to hopefully pick up some more wins. And obviously, we've got a war chest to pick, so we're going to have to use at some point to trade away. Is Trey Mann going to be a good playing piece to play in these sorts of trade talks? Just to cut back on that, um, I think someone else used this term, um, first round bias. Um, he does, like, he is literally an outside lottery pick. He was 18th in 2022. Very different to kind of all the guys they drafted with Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins and Jerry. Um, 
he'll definitely be on the roster next year if he's not used as a trade piece. But um, yeah, it's not a tale mild on Tajerum where this, these guards are just horrific basketball players. Sorry, I saw Janelle's reaction to that. <laughs> <A> slander. <laughs> I will show um, you a video of uh, Tajerum. 24 second violation where he dribbles the ball for us. Oh, the I game. remember that. I remember it. Don't hey, I'm me. not, I wasn't about the tie drone thing, but you talk about Teo. That's, you know, that's hurt my feelings. That I remember that 24 violation. Oh, his shot selection in that felt. last year, that shot selection is last year in OKC was just fucking crap. It was just so yeah. bad. Like he takes so many like pull up mid ranges and he's like six foot three. He's got no athleticism. He's like, why? Like, why are you doing this? Most, yeah, definitely one of the more infuriating players that we're just like, Ty Jerome used to play for this team. Like, that's the kind of attitude I'm going with. So, since we're on the topic of Thunder's rookies over the years, we'll talk about a current rookie next. We're starting, certainly starting to see the odd flash in the pan from this guy being Usman Dieng. Is this guy a Poku 2.0? Because there's, there's a lot of People on the timeline who aren't especially convinced by this guy. There's a lot of people who just don't believe in him. There's people who do. Um, and it's just seriously giving me Poku vibes. So that's why like, I kind of get the Poku 2.0 vibe from that aspect. Obviously, they're going to be two completely different players. But is this going to be another long-term investment by the funder where the fans are just going to have to be patient and not expect what they want from him straight away. Do you know? I think with Ooze, like I feel more comfortable and more sort of happy with Ooze than I probably did with Poku. I know that it's kind of with Poku, like in his first season in Oklahoma City, yeah, we all sort of got to what his physicality looked like and sort of we all worried about him. But there were also times where he just didn't know look like he knew what to do on a basketball court. I kind of think with Dieng, he seems to already be maybe a step ahead in terms of actual like competency. Like if we look at the last couple of games, he's putting together good performances and he's actually been quite efficient from the field. I think he's shooting like 63% on twos or something like that, which is a really, really like solid mark. And I kind of think that despite his size and his skinniness, he seems to actually embrace contact. And I was a bit worried about that before the draft because the whole book on him was that this guy does not like taking contact and he seems to have got a lot better at it. I think his handle is pretty solid. I don't think it's perfect yet. I still think it's quite loose, but I kind of think that there's a lot of room for him to grow. Whether it's going to be this whole sort of three or four year project that everybody thinks it is, I'm not so certain. I kind of think that next season, I think he'll actually be a bit more impressive. Well, it's just, you know, the Thunder have got a lot of players who are wings in that sort of 6'6 six, six to 6'10 six, range. He may have to wait a little bit for those actual minutes open up in the rotation where he can actually make a solid impact. I reckon probably two years down the line, we'll probably start to see Dieng's potential come out in full. Yeah, it's fair because I'm pretty sure he's only 19, isn't he? I oh, he's believe. so young. He's yeah. so young. But I, I, I do, th- like you were saying then, the last couple of games, he's been a lot more efficient. I thought last night he was brilliant against uh, the Spurs in what was a very poor offensive game by both teams. It was a great watch. <laughs> um, 
don't know. He's, he's certainly started to impress me the last couple of games. I've, I've, he's never really been a guy that I've had an opinion on because of him being so young. Um, but he's, he's also got a frame in place in terms of his body, which I think is going to be a lot easier to grow into rather than the frame that Poku has that's obviously taken a bit more time for Poku to get used to. Um, Matt, Oos, where are you standing? The perfect thing for his him is he has a very high floor in the NBA, um, which kind of, well, I say very high. Like, it's a consistent floor. In the NBA, if you are able to play good rotational defense and hit a three-point shot, you're going to get NBA minutes no matter what team. Um, Usman Jang, what is he, 6'10", 6'11"? Like, he's a, he's a big wing, but he is a very smart defender for his age. Um, I think that's because he's European, just for a fact. Um, he actually played at a much higher competition level than Poku did. Uh, like, the NBL is not a bad competition for pro basketball at all. There's some nice flashes, nice ball handler. Like, he's shooting 34% in the G League. He's going to get minutes. He's going to get a role. They're going to give him room to grow. They're going to be patient with him. They're going to give him spot minutes. They'll definitely give him um, opportunities to bring the ball up, take advantage. But the flashes look good. He's young. Don't be overcritical of efficiency. I mean, yeah, you're completely right. He's young. He's got. You need to give him time. The, the, the fan base have given Poku time, so it's just another one. Time, time's on his side. Um, so it's interesting. I, I did want to just check in on Boos because I feel like I'm starting to get an opinion on him, but not exactly yet. I'm still waiting for a bit more in terms of actually seeing him on the court. Um, so we spent a lot of time this pod so far talking about the guys that have impressed us since we last recorded and now it's time to talk about someone who I think just been on a massive slump especially since the All-Star game and that's against Dort. He's a guy who I think has been subpar for quite a while, perhaps not on the defensive end but I think his offensive game is really getting to me at the minute. I don't know if it's just me, I don't seem to talk about it too much because I kind of get bellowed from the the rooftops, if I put anything on Twitter about Dort, but there's there's, there's got to be some other frustrations from other people about Dort. I'm hoping one of you two had something. I'm guessing by Matt's face when I said it, he's, he's not too worried or too annoyed with some of Dort's decision-making. 6-5 power forward? That, that's the vibe I'm getting. Like, very physical defender, a lot of this, like, there's, there's reason he plays. Like the amount of like charges he's drawn on like illegal screens is just beautiful, but um the decision making is still not there yet. Um, I, I can't really tell you what the op- what they have to do, what you can change is. It has been something that's been an issue for the last three or so seasons, and um, it's not something that's going to change. Like there's a lot of instincts, there's a lot of nuances to the game. You can't just kind of learn as you can progress. I think it's very difficult because he's. He's not the kind of right play style for the kind of young team. Um, it's a shame we give him a good contract. He's a massive energy guy. He's one of the closest guys on the team, but I am losing my faith, especially when he takes like step back contested mid ranges. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, that's not your role. 
do think he has an incredible... I don't know if it's just me again, but I feel like he has a ridiculously slow three-point shot as well. I feel like he takes an age for that shot to come down from his hips to up above his head. I don't know if that's just me, though, but, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. His decision-making is completely all over the place. He shoots at the wrong times where I feel like an extra pass is much more necessary. But I do also think with Lou, the reason, like, I'm not turning around saying, like, this guy needs to be traded because the other stuff that he brings is so highly valued by not only us, the fans, but by the team as well. Obviously, Matt said he's very much loved amongst the team. Easily the best defender on his day on the roster. And when these better players come in, when we contend, he's not going to have the chance to be making these shots or taking these shots because his role is going to be completely different. We're going to have more suitable players on the roster who are going to be taking these shots over him. So he'll be making that extra pass. So I, I think it's just more, he's putting a bit more pressure on himself rather than perhaps doing what some people might describe as the, the right thing to do. Janelle, you see the game a lot differently, especially compared to me. Where do you stand on, Lou? I'm not completely out on him, I would say. I think that with Dort, his value is pretty much driven by what he does on the defensive end, and he kind of plays a very specific role in Thunder's system. It's sort of like how he goes and pressures the ball handler and sort of stops them and bottles them up for a little bit. Four or five seconds, but that four or five seconds is the difference between them initiating the offense at 18 seconds, them initiating the offense at 14 seconds. And I think you get two wildly different shot outcomes out of it. At 18 seconds, the offensive team still hasn't time to get a rebound and put up another shot and might still get a bucket out of it. At 14 seconds, everything is a lot more rushed. The competency is not as strong, and you know, people are rushing through things. And I think Dort has a valuable role in that. And I think his ability as a defender has been very good in sort of actually helping Thunder be a good defensive unit this year, particularly on the perimeter where we thought they might have been a little bit weak. His offense is spotty, I think is the best way to describe it. His three is, if you look at the numbers, like one month he'll shoot 29%, one month he'll shoot 40%. And it's always been like that. It just goes up and down. And, and but it's not uncommon if you look at someone like Danny Green or you look at someone like Marcus Smart, like they're similar sort of thing. They're very streaky, hot and cold. And they've found places on championship teams and they've been quite valuable. I think with Lou, it's just a case that his shot selection will need to be dialed back in terms of what the shots he actually takes. I think that the odd three cuts, that's really where he should be making his money. As a ball handler, I really struggle to see it. I do think that he's had plenty of reps on the ball. And my concern with him is that his handle is not seeming to get any better. And I think that if you move him to the corner where he's shooting 37 38% from three, um, from both corners, and you take him off the break where he's shooting 32%, we're going to look at him a lot differently. And I think it's a conversation that the Thunder coaching staff need to have. Uh, one of the criticisms I would say of Dignall is that he's very good in terms of actually saying that you can do whatever you want, but some players need structure. If you look at like Baisley, Baisley needed the structure and he don't necessarily get it with the Thunder. And I think the Thunder can't make the same mistake with Lou that they did with Darius. So they're good points. I, th I think overall, I'm just glad to hear that there's 
other people who know ball i'd say both you ball uh people obviously know ball better than what i do in terms of reading the game and whatnot so i'm glad it's not just me who tend to be getting a little bit frustrated with certain players not and not necessarily in the wrong way either like we're just frustrated because we know these guys can be better um so we'll move on again to some other relatively sad news um in the penultimate segment before we do the trivia and wrap up we've got to it's it's, it's time to bow our heads because we got some really sad news in february that darius basley was traded away um if you can't uh, see Janelle celebrating, then just imagine a really no, happy no, 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 no. Don't blame just Janelle. You were celebrating then as well. I'm no, fed I'm up just, of this I'm rubbish. It was every single week, every week when we bring up Baisley, I would get endless fucking shit from both of you and from Harry and from Brandon when he was around. It's the worst. <laughs> can't a guy love a player in peace? Can't a guy no. cry when he loses his favourite player? Please tell me you didn't cry. I absolutely wept, bawled my eyes out. The return we got for him was absolutely shocking. We should have had two first-round picks and Kevin Durant from Brooklyn, and they should have got Darius Basley, the best basketball player of all time. Well, look, Tom, you still forget from... we've got the best player in the world. Isaiah Joe. Uh, and Aaron no. Wiggins, save basketball. This is no time for jokes, Janelle. I'm being serious. No, so, so yeah, obviously... We we haven't recorded since the trade deadline, and we obviously lost Mike Muscala and Darius Baisley. Baisley obviously was a rejoice to a lot of the fan base, but it seemed like everybody was head in hands or head uh, hands on heads. Even that um, Mike was traded, seemingly came out of nowhere, and a lot of the fan base were quite upset, myself included, that we'd lose a, a good guy with, in Mike, um, and then obviously. It's just myself and a splattering of other people who were upset by the Bayesian news. It's just especially the defensive work and stuff for me, but I, I, I do feel like it was the right thing to do, whether it was the right move, maybe less so, but for the return that we got for him, excuse me, I had to stop myself from burping loudly then. Um, the return we got for him, I'm perfectly happy with, and that's what we're going to talk about in Dario Saric. Um Anybody want to jump in and just say how impressive this guy's been, considering he's just been pretty much thrown straight in, learn your role, do what you can with the minutes you get in. He's been hella impressive, I think. I think with Dario, the thing was like, even if you look at Phoenix before he got injured in the finals and you look at what he did with their bench unit, his passing energised them. He got people going and allowed people like, Cameron Payne to play off him and Tory Craig and you know whoever else that he had at that time and I kind of was excited about Dario for that reason I've always you know since he was taken by the Sixers like I've always kind of liked him as a player just because he's a passing big man and I like watching passing big men play basketball and I was quite excited to be honest but what he's done since then like he's come in and has been a leader and he's kind of replaced that leadership asset from Mike if you look at what he brings on the court utility wise he can move between the four and the five quite comfortably. And I think the defensive stuff has been less of a concern. If you look at Monty Williams likes to play hedge quite a lot in the pick and roll. The Thunder will just drop their big man back all the way back and let the guards and perimeter do all the work. And it works for Dario. He doesn't expose his foot speed and he's actually been quite solid on that end of the floor. You're talking about trading a player who was wildly inefficient from the field 
didn't really seem to know what to do with the basketball when he got it and had no concept of rhythm for an actual basketball player who's good as a role player who can help us out right now. It's a no-brainer. His trades go, it's fantastic. Like Bezos not even playing minutes in Phoenix. We traded him and we've got an actual proper player in Dario Saric. It's a great trade. I also love passing big men. Um, European basketball player commits the ball. Um, Dario Sarge is a Thunder guy. He's a Thunder player. He's just seven years too old. Um, it was literally a contract dump. That that's what it took to Irish, basically. I do think he's actually a more versatile piece um, for Phoenix. Um, very good on defensive ends. I'm not trying to shit on him too much. I've already done that. Um, yeah, it was a great trade. A plus, and let me just try and get this stat really quick. I'm trying to set the Thunder record since he got traded. And it says, stat news is loading. We're at 500 since Darius basically got traded. Think about the record before we traded him. Would have been near enough the same since it's only two, two extra losses, I think we are. We got two more losses and wins. Well, if you're going back to like yeah, we're not. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not. I mean, we that. had to sit through in like an entire half a season of Darius Basie just chucking up shots, just playing terrible basketball. Yeah, well, I've, of... I've had to sit here and listen to you guys slag him off for the last six years or however long it's bloody been. I've had enough of it. It was the same last podcast and the podcast before that. But I'm going to have my moment of peace now and. Saying goodbye to Darius, and I wish him all the luck in Phoenix. It's 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 a sad time, and then we'll transition before anybody else can slag him off. We'll transition into Brandon's daily takes and this week's trivia questions. No, I'm said I'm moving on. You got Isaiah Joe now though. Come on, you got the best player right to be a fan of. I said we're moving on. I said it. And I'm ignoring what you've just done there, Matt. I'm ignoring it. So this week, I was extremely lazy when doing the questions. And because Google's no help whatsoever, when you type in like OKC Thunder questions, it just comes up with like Spork and things like that. So I thought we'd have a college edition. So, and what I'm, I'm going to do spoke. as well, I don't know, Janelle knows a bit, but not a lot when it comes to college, as far as I'm aware. I'm pretty sure when... Me and him went head-to-head once on a college round. I think I gave him a go of my college knowledge is awful. I haven't watched any of the games this year, so... <laughs> I've only watched college is... basketball like the last two years. So what I'm going to do is, I will I will be honest, I am going off Wikipedia, so if anything is ever wrong, then please forgive me. This is how lazy it's been, but... So I will... What we're going to do is I will start with Matt and we'll do, say, five of these. I will start with Matt because he's the youngest. Uh, he will pick a Thunder season and then I will pick a player who is on that roster from that season and then you two will t- tell me what college that person went to. Sound good? Yep. Cool. So Matt, give me a year. 22, uh, 23. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's for a spanner in the work because for some reason that doesn't come up with the seasons. Oh. <laughs> uh, all so, right, 21, 22. Right. 
don't know why. Obviously, it's not a complete season or something. Um, right. I don't. I don't know which like college Jeff Green went to. So. Right, I pressed the wrong bloody button. Right, Jeff Green even go so, to college. He might come to high school. I think he's one of them. Your first player. Mm-hmm. What college did our boy Isaiah Roby go to? Mm. I don't know. I, I, Arkansas. I think it's Nebraska. It is Nebraska. Or oh, he's from Nebraska. But I think he's Nebraska. The correct, the correct answer is Nebraska. And he's he's from Illinois. So one nil to Janal. Janal, pick your year. Go for 16-17. 2016-17. And I will randomly choose that player. Oh, so this one I reckon I, I would I would back you to get this one. What college did Victor Oladipo go to? I think he went to Indiana. I'm pretty certain he's a huge deal. I think it's yeah. I think it's Indiana. I don't have an answer because I would just say the same. Well, you you did the right thing in going for the same. It is Indiana. You took the easy way out, then Janelle. No, You're gonna I, I, let him I'm do not that taking that the easy way. I said I won't just, answer because I just, would just, just said the same. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I thought you said you were taking the same. No, no, no. Two nil to Janelle. Pick a year, Matt. Two twenty-three is not available. No. Um, twenty twenty-one. Stay in modern. I like it. So, out of all of these, I will go for what college did Moses Brown go to? Oh, UCLA. Did he go to USC? He went to UCLA. Think of the gif. Have you not seen that? I'm trying to think head of the gif. head down, he gets... I'll send you it, okay. I know from the so gif. That's a, that's a point back for Matt, 2-1. Janelle, you get this year, and then I'm going to choose your final year. 2011-12. Ooh. Reason. We were a conference champion and division champions that year. And we will go. He didn't go to college. He didn't go to package. college. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... I've just rather than picking players, I've just tried to go like down on me thumb and then stop on one. So I think this one's going to be a little naughty, but I think it'll be be one that our American listeners will probably get. What college did Derek Fisher go to? I'm going to guess Kentucky. I think he was a Razorback. I think he went to Arkansas, didn't he? 
No, so you are both wrong. I've never even heard of the college, which is why I went, oh, this is horrible. He went to Little Rock. Oh, he's in Arkansas, Wait. yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas. No, yeah, sorry. I've, 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 clicked, I've clicked on it. So the little, they're the Trojans. Oh, okay. Different team, see? Oh, it's a different team. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, there see, there's, there's Matt with some knowledge. I would have just gone, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's the point. I'm trying as much, anything I can. And the loopholes. <laughs> right, so I am choosing the final year. Uh, and I'll go in the middle between where you guys haven't picked. So I'm going to choose the 13-14 season. We were the division champions. And what college did Karen Butler go to? And this There's one I have heard of. Like, what? 64 like division one colleges um usc oh yeah i think that's marquette i think you went to i think it's marquette i've just had to click on the name of the college just so like you know just to make sure it's right or wrong i don't see that in the description so i'd say you're both wrong although i thought Matt was going to get it then as a pure guess because he did say you. Um, UCLA again? No. USC? No. I just said that. I, 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 need, I need to do my bloody college because I have no idea how many U's there were then. I thought there would only be like one or two others. No, there's loads of them. He went to UConn. He went to Connecticut. Calhoun. He All went right. to Connecticut, yeah. Well, that... That could have gone better. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that. I won, so you know. Yeah, it's, it's always a bit of rivalry. You know, so to be fair, that would have been a good little quiz. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that would that's, have been a good little tough. quiz for the American listeners because the, the American listeners, I bet, would have gone five from five. If you, if any, if, if any of the listeners have got this far and they're American and they got five out of five on that quiz then do let me know so i can give you a shout out because that's bloody hard work yeah give yourself a pat on the back yeah that's tough stuff anyway that is all for this week as always we always try and leave it on the brighter side and have a bit of a laugh and test our funded knowledge so thank you to matt and to Jim. right at the end of the episode i'm running out of words thank you to matt thank you to janelle i nearly done it again then it's like I'm stuttering trying to say Janelle. Thank you to both of you, to you for giving up your time, as always. And as always, to every Thunder fan, Thunder up. Peace out.